Hello and welcome to episode 380 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. I'm Ben Olson. With me is Nathan Fox. Together we're the co-founders of LSATdemon.com and the LSAT Demon Daily podcast. This will air on Monday, December 12th, 2022. If you want to get on the next show, email help at thinkinglsat.com or go to our website, thinkinglsat.com. Those emails all go to Nathan. So you get to inundate his inbox with that uh, question, with your question. The next test is the January LSAT, but it's already past the registration deadline for that one. So if you're not registered for that, you're really looking ahead to the February 2023 LSAT. And the registration deadline for that is December 27th, two days after Christmas. Um, you don't need to make a decision right now. Just wait until you get your practice test scores up to where you want them and then sign up for whatever test is next. You can find all those dates at lsat.link forward slash dates. Worth pointing out there that we that uh, unlike the last couple test registrations, this one has a registration after significantly after scores. Sorry, significantly before scores are coming out from the subsequent test. The January test scores don't come out until February 1st. So if you want to take the February test, you're going to have to sign up way before you even take that January test. Yep. Yep. Not the end of the world. I mean, if you if your practice tests indicate that you're ready, then you should probably sign up. But worst worst case, you withdraw. If you're taking that January test, the strategy. Well, I guess there's no rush huh? at that time of the year because we've got January, February, March and April. So test back to back. I suppose yep. you could have a plan of just skipping the February test. But again, like, you know. You're, you're spending all this time. You're spending all the you know money probably and time for prep. And so if you're planning to take that January test, I, I don't know why you wouldn't also be planning to take a shot at the February test. Law schools only care about your highest score. Why wouldn't you take it again? Absolutely. But yeah, you don't have to decide uh, whether you want to sign up for that until uh, late December. And if it's your first attempt, then yeah, the January score thing has nothing to do with it. Yeah, so in three days, you're going to be teaching a class on Thursday, December 15th. The title is Surrender to Win. That's going to be at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's a free class, so anyone listening to this can attend. What are you going to ask them to surrender to? <laughs> um, well, it's it's really just about being realistic and um, letting go of expectations, letting go of the idea that you have to finish the sections in order to get your best score. Uh, we probably also will talk about letting go of old strategies that you learned elsewhere that are confusing things for you and not actually helping. So we'll talk about just kind of releasing the things that are no longer uh, Marie Kondo would say if it's no longer sparking joy. <laughs> We're going to let it go. And uh, certainly your quest to finish the section is not sparking any joy. Like that, that's that's preventing you from seeing how easy the test can be. So that'll probably be the main topic. OK, yeah, interesting. So I just started listening to Sam Harris again. Me too. And doing his oh, interesting doing his meditation app, waking up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if he's updated his meditation since the last time I listened to him. But one thing that's sticking out to me is his discussion of ideas and just how they frame so much of 
how we interact with the world and what the world is today. And as you were talking about that, I was thinking a lot of these things that we have to surrender are these ideas or beliefs that we've picked up from somewhere. Who knows where the fuck they came from? But things like, hey, I have to finish, right? That's the super common belief yeah. that everybody seems to start with. It's like, oh, my problem is time. They, they say those exact <laughs> yeah. words yeah. over and over, not knowing that thousands of people have said the exact same thing as they did just two months ago and now are smiling in the Zoom cameras going, mm, that's not your problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so the idea for the class actually did come from one of our students. It came from like the chat in one of my classes, I think it was. Mm. And Abigail, I think, noticed that or whatever. I, don't, I might be confusing two different things because Lily, teacher Lily made a note as well about surrendering. But one of the things was, you know, Kaplan students who have really bad, unproductive, confusing ways of thinking about the test. And it was like a student who had been that same person two months ago, then telling the new student in the class, hey, you just got to let go of that shit. You just you got to like, trust me, two months from now, you'll realize how easy the test actually is. But you got to let go of some of those bad uh, ideas. We do yeah. the more mindfulness, Ben, you're going to recognize it, of course, if you keep up with the um, with the Sam Harris app. Yep. But like we our perception of the of our existence, you know, is really shaped by just these little stories that we're constantly telling ourselves. Yeah. And who knows where they come from, right? Sometimes they come out of the ether of our minds and sometimes they come from other people and all sorts of random stuff. Like, you yeah, know, you really don't control so much of what you think you control. Right. Your mind is going to constantly. I mean, it's an incredibly powerful tool for solving problems. Right. But part of that is it looks for problems. And so you you go around most of your life with like your mind just kind of. It's like making opinions about it's making judgments about that. And it's got an opinion. It likes that, but it doesn't like that. And it's wants more of that, but it wants less of that. And it's just like all these things are there's this separate. You, you can kind of learn to notice. Oh, wow. My mind is really busily pulling me in a million directions here. Mm -hmm. And you can just kind of. Well, yeah, you can let it go. You can. Notice it and you can go, OK, yeah, all right, that's a thing. Sure, fine. Later <laughs> and do what you are here to do. Yeah. OK. Anyway, we'll talk about all that shit on Thursday, December 15th. Hope to see you there. Yep. To sign up for that, go to lsat.link forward slash Nathan or just go to lsatdemon.com and click on sign up and you'll get a free account. And then from there, you can find Nathan's class on the classes page. Should be pretty easy to find today on the show. What did we what did you like the most? Well, now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, I think we actually had a couple examples of stories that people were telling themselves. Mm. We had a correspondent whose dad was providing some incorrect opinions about how law school admissions is likely to work. Yep. Or even if they were correct. It was ignoring much bigger issues that really are vastly more important. We also had a student who was doing it to uh, an applicant who was doing it to himself, where 
Larry had these ideas about deferral and yeah. oh, and was scared that LSAT medians were going to keep going up. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, but Larry, you're you're just telling yourself these stories that are not really like let's focus on the big picture stuff. Yeah. So maybe that's uh, the theme of today's show. Cool. Yeah, let's jump in. All right. You want to take this uh, first email from Abby? Sure. Says, I won't be the only one to submit this as a topic, but this is kind of wild exclamation point. And then it's a link to above the law. And the headline says law school merger announcement shocks students with a subheadline of why now? Question mark. This is from Joe Patrice, who I actually really enjoy on the above the law podcast. And it's about Penn State Dickinson it says Penn State students received an all school email at 606 p.m. on Monday announcing an important meeting air quotes. The next day at 1 p.m., blah, 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 Penn State President Neely Bendapudi announced that the two law schools in the system, Penn State Law at University Park Park, and Penn State Dickinson Law in Carlisle will be combined into a single law school. The audience is described as shell-shocked. <laughs> okay. Not literally. When you read deeper you there's this quote down here that I thought was kind of funny. This is from the Penn Live article. I guess Penn Live is probably a Penn student website or something. Yeah. And it says um, Penn State believes it has two good law schools. It would like to have one excellent one. And then Joe Patrice continues and says, That's not how this works. If you combine one law school ranking in the high 50s and another law school ranking in the low 60s, you get probably just one law school in the high 50s. (laughs) Or lower, because now you're getting like the averages of, you know, student uh, to faculty ratios and whatever else they consider. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or if you it just depends how you do it. Right. If you if you combine the two schools together and stop admitting so many students, then your ranking will go up. If you combine the two schools together and start admitting the same number of students without the same amount of resources, like if you're doing this to cut staff and cut facilities and cut expenses, then the combination of two okay law schools could definitely result in one slightly less okay law school. Yeah. Well, they are competing with themselves on some level, right? To the extent that the legal or the law school market is local. Um, I, don't know I would imagine that even if these campuses are an hour or two away from each other, they're probably still the primary competition for each other. Yeah. Anyone who's applying to one would probably be foolish not to apply to the other. What, you're not willing to drive another hour for a $300,000 legal education? Probably not. So... Yeah. Yeah. They're just, it's like two McDonald's, too close. You got to cut one of them. Yeah. Yep. And it looks like they're maybe going to sort of de emphasize the main Penn State location and build the new unified law school around Dickinson's Carlisle location. I've never been to Carlisle. I've never been to Penn State anywhere. But uh, 
anyway, looks like they're doing that. Abi said that he thought that this would be sent in by many people. Uh, actually, this is only one one. <laughs> you're the only submitter, Abi. But Abi says Dickinson is the name associated with aggressive full tuition scholarships and has been discussed in the past. Yeah, we have talked about Dickinson on the show a lot. Uh, this last or not this cycle, but the year last cycle, I believe it was Dickinson was sort of first out there with scholarship offers. OK, uh, so they're in early September of last year. They do give lots of scholarships at that school. They're clearly looking at the rankings. They're trying to figure out how to get up in the rankings. One way to do that is to give out scholarships. Another way to do that is to merge schools. Man, this is some this is some leader at one of these schools at Dickinson probably saying, how how can we win this game? not just with the traditional means. Yeah, I'm seeing now Penn State University Law Dickinson is actually ranked 58th in the country. Penn State University University Park is 64th in the country. So they're like, well, we close those two, keep the higher ranked one probably. Mm-hmm. Become more selective, right? You can now just take the best applicants at both schools and put them into one. Yeah, yeah hopefully. I mean... You know, right now, at, look, just looking at Dickinson, they got 11, 000, sorry, 1190 applications last year, and they admitted 471 of them, which is 40 percent. So it's not a very selective school already. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and one way to tell how selective it actually is, is that of those 40, uh, sorry, of those 471 that they admitted, only 93 actually ended up going to their school. Which so that's a pretty low, right? The the ratios we were looking at the ratios for who are we looking at the other day where it was like basically a third get admitted and then another third like them back. Yeah, I don't remember, but it was a low ranked school, I think. Yeah, this is worse than that because they're admitting 40 percent. And then of those only yeah 93 out of 471, which is like 20 percent are actually coming back and saying yes. Yeah. So accept your proposal. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, that's not good. Um, Oh, there it is. 19 point. So, yeah, 20 percent is their enrollment rate from offers of admission. So it's Mm. just not that's it's already a school that's not killing it. And the other one is lower than that. So, yeah, it makes sense. Yep. Scholarships are crazy at that school. Twenty eight percent get more than full tuition. Thirty five percent get full tuition. Whoa, wait, say that again. 28 get more than full and 35 get full. That's what it says on their 509 report. And you're so then full or greater is those two numbers added together. You know, that's not the 28 is not included in that 35. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, full or better is 63% of the school. (laughs) Holy fuck. (laughs) Damn. If you're you're paying anything, (laughs) you're in the minority. Yeah, of the 93 people who decided to go to their school, they they made offers to 471 people. 93 of them said yes. Of the 93 that said yes, more than half of those are going to the school for free. Wow. Of the night of the of the 93 who said no. Yeah, it's like less than half. So it's like, I don't know, 35 of them. Maybe actually it's less than that, right? No, it's, it's more like 25 or 30 of them. Are paying anything i mean maybe they're paying some fees and stuff but they're not paying tuition yeah um 60 what was it again 63 percent of the class is not paying tuition 
Nice. 28% or more getting more than full. That's crazy. Yeah, so they actually have to like make up. Well, who knows? Maybe the more than full is coming from. Again, we have to remember that there's there are some other sources of income, including military uh, primarily. And maybe they're targeting military for that reason. But 28 percent is such a big number. It's hard to imagine that all those folks are getting outside funds. (laughs) Yeah, because there's another nine percent who are getting less than half tuition. So so like the people who I mean, they really should add a line item on here that's says no grants. Yeah. Oh, I guess it would only be 1%. 99% receiving some grants. 1% paying full price. And they Who's gotta, that they guy? Could, he's got to pay extra because he's got to make sure that he makes up for the more than full tuition. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So some consolidation, Ben, in the, in the law school market. And that is definitely not a bad thing. We're pretty firmly on the record with an opinion that we have too many law schools. Yeah. Yeah. Please kill one. That's fine with me. This next email is from Stefan. This actually came in. Sorry, it's not an email. It came in through our website, thinkinglset.com. That's a much better way to get in touch with us, by the way, than it is to uh, send us emails. Oh, really? How come? Because it's less work for me. Oh, I thought that they just turned this in. This became an email and went to you. <laughs> well, it's true. But it it has a there's a limit to ah yes there's a te- the okay, character, character limit count. is my yeah, friend yeah. yes oh good okay well the subject line here is student curious about switching programs some other company to the demon hello I'm currently enrolled in this other company's self paced course I began my studies in the the second week of September my initial plan was to enroll in this company's one seventy plus course. That's interesting. There's there. I wonder if they're promising you that you'll get above a 170 beginning. We have no idea beginning in mid December to prep for the April LSAT. I promise I'm not an idiot. I'm well aware of the fine print and circumstances around the 170 plus guarantee. Also, there is some sort of guarantee, obviously with a lot of caveats. Recently, I discovered the demon podcast and have been really intrigued by your guys overall approach and philosophy. I'm curious if I made a mistake about going with this other company. As a business, I'm sure that you'll tell me I most definitely have, and I don't blame you for doing so. I guess I was really hoping, just really hoping to have a conversation with someone like a tutor from The Demon or even Ben Olson or Nathan Fox themselves. I know that's a big ask. No, we're right here right now. (laughs) (laughs) About if that's a good idea to even consider switching programs. I'm a motivated and dedicated student and that ha- that has aspirations of scoring in the 165 to 170 range. I'm serious about studying for the LSAT, but could use some guidance. It's a no brainer to switch. I mean, you've already spent money on an, an, an inferior program. Oh, sorry. You're in a self-paced course and you, you were considering, I guess, additionally doing their 170 plus course. Hmm. It's like the first one didn't get you there. So the other one, the second one <laughs> will with a guarantee. I really, I really don't like this idea of a course. It's, it's so offering dumb. a 170 plus guarantee. I mean, we hope that for everyone who signs up for the demon, but I don't know. That's just a strange selling point, but okay. Yes, you should switch. We will make the test easier for you. 
Like you'll get more out of your study time with us. Yeah. I, I know we're biased, but we've seen these other programs and they're, they're just not as good. They don't understand that the best way to get good at this test is to simply try to understand it and not get all caught up in theory and these weird whack-a-moo ideas that mess you whack-a-moo? up. Whack-a-moo? I made that up. What the hell is that? Well, I was thinking of like, what's that game, Whack-a-Mole? Whack-a-Mole. Yeah, where you're trying to like hit things, but you can't quite hit it on the mark. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just think they have bad ideas about the law school admission test. Personally, I don't need to take whack-a-mole and turn it into a new game called whack-a-moo. Uh, but anyway, they, you know, they tell you to read the question stem first on logical reasoning, right? Yeah. 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 They tell you to focus on game types in the games. Both of the, both of those are real bad advice. So it's just, I, I don't think they understand the test or, how to teach it as well as we do. So I would give us a shot. Also, we're monthly, so you can come over and give us a shot for a month instead of committing to some big ass. I'm sure it's like really expensive to sign up for their 170 plus guarantee class. And in one month, I think we'll blow your mind. So I would really just give that a shot. Yep. Also, if you do end up talking to any tutors here, they are all former demon students and podcast listeners. So yeah. they can just tell you what their experience was. And I think you'll be persuaded. And you really don't need to schedule an appointment with anybody. I mean, come to one of our free classes. We, Ben and I each taught free classes last week. Uh, the next one coming up is uh, on Thursday, December 15th with me. You can go to lsat.link forward slash Nathan to check it out. But it's I do a free class every other Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. You can come to that and you can ask me whatever question you want. Otherwise, just email our help team, help at lsatdemon.com and ask them questions. Great. This next one's from Ryan. It's yeah. You. It says, uh, the subject is, when should I buy a prep course? Hi, guys. Hope you're doing well. I'm a junior in undergrad and took my first LSAT in November. I studied for about two months using Khan Academy and YouTube bringing my score from 150 on a diagnostic to 159 on my November LSAT parentheses, kind of a wasted test though. I was in low one sixties a few times on practice tests, RC minus two LR minus seven LG minus seven. I'm gearing up to go again at the test in June. Hopefully I plan on continuing self-study for a few months, then purchasing a study course, probably some other unnamed program or the basic LSAT demon. I'd like to get to 170 parentheses. Obviously, everyone does and can dedicate between one and two hours most days while in school to study. I'm on a tight budget as I work as an RA on campus and make under eight dollars an hour. Not a free room and board situation either. It's dumb. Jesus, I feel like they should pay you $8 an hour, 24 hours a day, since you're probably living in the dorm with these people. And you're, you're only always making on $8 call. an hour. Oh, my God. Yeah. Two in the morning, five in the morning. Wow. That's a shitty deal. Can you quit that job? That's a terrible job. How long before my test should I buy a subscription? Question mark. I can't realistically afford more than four months 
Thanks for all the free resources, especially your videos on LR have helped me. All right, what's your advice for Ryan, a junior in undergrad RA? Well, Ryan, I'd love to know your GPA. You're a junior, so you can still work on your GPA. Yeah. So maybe you shouldn't even be thinking about the LSAT right now. I don't know. It depends. If your GPA is below a 4.0, you might need to turn your focus there first and then worry about your LSAT, even if that's after you graduate. If your GPA is solid, uh, then I would get started as soon as you're ready to make the time. Quit your job and then do this, maybe. I don't know how much of a time commitment it is. That job sucks, and you should quit it and find something else where you make more money. Yeah. I mean, because you'll, you'll make more money. Wouldn't you make more money? Certainly as any kind of a waiter or server or bartender or barista right i mean like i guess With it depends tips, where you live yeah. but yeah eight dollars yeah. an hour sounds like it's that's below minimum wage in most places I, or the places i go <laughs> that's below minimum wage and that just sounds shitty so yeah do you have to do that and i agree with ben 100 percent. if you're getting you know, like, do you have any A minuses right now? Well, then you shouldn't be studying for the LSAT. You'd be like pulling on one lever with the other lever than going in the opposite direction. That's not how we want to do this. So put your grades first. Make sure you're getting straight A's. Then if you are getting straight A's or you've already graduated and you have an hour or two a day to prep, I think you should just go ahead and sign up for again, sign up for one month and see where you're at. It was crazy of you to take the November LSAT. I mean, you did not prep properly. You 150 diagnostic is awesome, but you only improved to a 159. You said you were in the low 160s a few times on practice tests. That's not good enough for somebody like you to justify taking the official test. Not when you started with a 150. I mean, I think you should have been like, well, I got a score in the 170s before I take an official test. Yeah, I mean, you also lost that $200 that could have got you two more months of basic. I think time is yeah. your biggest asset here, and you need to use it wisely. It seems like you're dragging out this process way longer than it really needs to be drug out. I mean, why did you take the test in November, and now the next time you're going to take it is in June, hopefully? I just think you're doing too much, Ryan. I, I, I think you should focus. I honestly think you should focus on college. Yep. I think you should get the most out of your college classes and your college experience and come study with us when you're ready to like be serious about it. And if you can get another job and make more per hour, that will free up more time for you to focus on college. So it's like a, a win-win. I mean, absolutely. Like I bartenders make like, you know, I mean, it sucks. Like it's a shitty job, but cause it's real late, but like you can make, so much money as a bartender, you know, hundreds of dollars per shift. You could in a, in a month as a bartender, you make more money than a year as this RA. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. It just thinks like, it sounds to me like you're wasting time with that job. And I would cut out those things first, get yourself in the right position to study. Hope you'll choose us. I think we'll make it fun and easy for you. So hope, hopefully we'll see you sometime, but I don't want to see you Ryan when you're not ready to like do it. You want to read this one from Priscilla? Yep. Hi, Ben and Nathan. I started my LSAT journey with a 134 and I just got a 160 on the November LSAT. 
With that type of improvement, I feel inspired to try to improve more to get into the 165 to 170 range. Wow. Yeah, that is, uh, that is impressive. 26 points. My dad, who is paying for my law school, tells me that if I applied this cycle, I might have a chance of getting into schools with medians of 167. Jeez, your dad has money burning a hole in his pocket. That's, he's not thinking about it the right way. He's thinking about getting in. He's not thinking about. Yeah. And I mean, you should say thanks, dad. But like, let's wait and see if I can get a full ride because I can get a full ride. If I follow the advice, I will get a full ride to law school. And you'll be in the top of your class instead of the bottom. Based on just, your full yeah. name, we're only going to say Priscilla. But based on your full name, Priscilla, I'm guessing that you might qualify for URM. Forgive me, I apologize if that's totally insensitive, but if it does happen that you're checking a URM box and you're going to score in the high 160s, I mean, you're going to have like just so many options for scholarships. Yeah. Yeah. And so your dad, you know, he he means well, but he's trying to he's trying to rush you into a cycle late so that he can start paying unnecessarily for something that if you take your time with this, he's not going to have to pay for at all. He can pay your rent instead. He can pay for your books or your fees or your cell phone or your car or a down payment on a house instead of wasting all this money on law school tuition. I mean, I agree with everything you're saying, Nathan, but I think that even if we ignore the financial benefit here, she can get into better schools. Oh, and get into wildly better schools. So if your dad is like super wealthy and is like, no, I'm paying, I want to pay. I want you to go to the highest ranked school you can possibly get into. Well, then, yeah, don't try to get into a school with a median of 167 with your 160. Like, don't try to yeah. slide in the back door. You think you can do better. So why don't you get. I mean, if you score at their median. Yeah, you'd get a scholarship to that school and you would then also get into some other better schools. Yeah. Uh, with a higher LSAT and the beginning of the cycle, instead of applying, God, you're talking about the January test. Sorry, I did I interrupt you, Ben? You want to read the rest of the email? No, no, that's right. Yeah. I mean, the rest of this uh, sheds a little bit more light on her dad's perspective. As he says, and if I don't get in, he reasons that it might look better if I was insistent by applying twice. Okay, that they don't care about that at all. They're probably not <laughs> even going to notice. No. I mean, it, they don't... <laughs> This is this is uh, the problem we have when we, you know, that famous thing that Ben Franklin, I think he made it famous. I don't know if he came up with it, but this idea of when you're trying to make a decision, you list the pros on one side and the cons on the other. Yes. Well, decision psychologists, I don't know if they're right, but they've blown that methodology out of the water because they say it gives this illusion to people looking at the list that everything has equal weight. But usually one of those items on the list has astronomically more importance or more weight yeah. than the other items. So you come up with a list and one side has three things and the other side has six things and you're naturally biased towards the six list side or six item side. But the one with three items may actually have one item that matters 10 times more than anything else. Yeah, And that's what we have here with the LSAT. The LSAT and your GPA matter astronomically more than yep. uh, applying twice. Oh, so, 
for one, they that's just completely fiction anyway. Like they're, yeah, yeah. they're not. What? <laughs> yeah, that's if it, it might hurt you like, oh, you applied before and we rejected you like. Yeah, you it's a, like, oh, I don't strike. even remember why we rejected you, but <laughs> eh, I'm going to assume we rejected you for good reasons. Goodbye. Especially yep. if you're applying with the same LSAT. Yeah. Um, if you're applying with a better LSAT, then, yeah, the better LSAT trumps the entire f- fantasy that they're going to prefer you because you already applied <laughs> yeah. the previous cycle. I mean, that, I'm sorry. Apologies to your dad, but your dad doesn't know anything about this. Like not not nothing. Even if he's yeah. a lawyer, he doesn't know anything about yeah. the law school admission process. Yeah. Based on what he said so far. And that, that's that's safe to say. I mean, no, really, if you haven't been working in this field for a long time, you you probably just ha- don't really have any because law school law students f- frequently have no idea what is really going on either. Right. No, Your they signed an agreement. Already, yeah. <laughs> they already are a sucker. You know, they're yeah. the one who's there paying tuition and now they're going to try to give you advice. And it's like, well, wait a second. Are you going for free? Are you going to a really great school? Because if not, then I why am I listening to you? Yeah. Get the best LSAT you can, Priscilla, then start thinking about law school admissions. You don't want to apply this cycle, though. You definitely want to apply next cycle. Your dad thinks it's like a great honor to get in. And the law schools, I mean, they take every opportunity to make it look like that's the case. But the truth is, for many schools, more people decline their offers of admission than accept their offers of admission. So you need to flip your mindset entirely about how you're playing the law school admissions game here and decide that you're a valuable commodity. They want you. They're going to want you even more with a better LSAT. And if you show up at the beginning of next cycle with your 165 or 170 or whatever it is that you think you can achieve, even if you only get a couple more points, Priscilla, like even if it's only a 163 instead of a 160, that's still markedly, dramatically different. And you apply early and to lots of schools. And then you just see what kinds of awesome shit happens. Yep. And apply to those reach schools that aren't going to give you scholarship money. That's fine. Sounds like it's not as big of a deal. Yeah, you've got dad, dad scholarship money. Uh, so yeah. like shoot for the moon, but don't just, you know, but shoot for a bunch of them, like apply to five yeah. dream schools and then see if you get a nibble for many of those. But also apply to lots of schools that are likely to give you scholarships. Go to lsatdemon.com forward slash scholarships to play with our scholarship estimator there. All you got to do is put in an LSAT and a GPA and you can calculate your chances of scholarships at every ABA law school. So it's uh, really valuable to check that out and send it to your dad, too. And good luck. Keep us posted. Uh, so it looks like email. Uh, Brittany got this email from Wash U. We read a similar email on the last episode. But yeah, Wash is... U is like out there. They're they're out yeah. there. They're in the market, man. They're letting people know that they're ready for business. Yeah, because they're like sending out these emails all over the place. So Brittany, uh, who is um, boy, how would you describe what Brittany does for us? Keep, keeps the ship afloat. I was going to say she's a fixer, but, you know, that has some. She is. <laughs> she's like, a. <laughs> wait, can I make a volleyball reference? Uh, volleyball, I don't really understand, but there's the there's a libero in volleyball. Libero. Yeah, libero, libero, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Libero. I've only read yeah. it, I guess. She's like the libero. Yeah. <laughs> she's running around all over the place. diving. I saw a highlight the other day that was badass where this chick dove over a table behind the court. She like oh, dove she got over it? it to make this wow. amazing save. And then like 
on the very next play, she was back in the play somehow. She yeah, so it's like, scrambled Holy back. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's Brittany at LSAT yeah. team. And yeah. Anyway, yeah, she found this email from uh, Wash U. It says each student is unique. Every scholarship is customized. So this is very <laughs> similar to their. They were talking about the customized scholarships uh, with uh, that was for. It, that was low in the, the, the low income yeah. thing that they sent out. Yeah. Yeah. But but they were continuing to say every scholarship is customized. And so here we got uh, admitted students will discuss their priorities and goals for their customized scholarship award with a member of our team. The holistic award may include childcare funding, mentors, research assistant positions, conference funding and more. You know, I can see this as being so genius. So. There's a couple things going on here. One, um, think about Dean Z at the University of Michigan, right? She's out there saying, hey, like, don't expect a scholarship. Not everybody gets a scholarship. Don't think of this as a negotiation. It's very, um, I don't know, it's, it's trying to pretend that this scholarship game isn't going on as much as it is, right? And WashU's taken their gloves off and said, yo, we're going to play this game and we're just going to go out swinging and we're going to say, yep, we're doing scholarships and we're going to give them to you. Which seems like they're willing to give out a lot of money, right? And I think that they are on some level. At the same time, I think this is genius because if someone comes into you, uh, comes into their office and says, oh, you know, I don't know if I can do law school. I just, I just, I'm so concerned about childcare. And like, oh, don't worry, we, we'll, we'll cover your childcare. And that makes the person happy and they sign up, cha-ching, they just won. Because like some of these costs, right, are so small yeah. compared to the cost of tuition that if they can cover that for you and make you feel at ease, yeah. then they just won. <laughs> it's like Kramer. Uh, sorry for the Seinfeld reference for all of uh, the not old people who listen to this podcast. But uh, do you remember, Ben, in Seinfeld when Kramer... He, it was something I forget what happened, but it was like he was suing a Starbucks equivalent for something or other. And he <laughs> I was I don't remember that episode, although I've seen so many of them so yeah. many times. Yeah, well, he, he was clearly in the right. And he goes and has a meeting with like the, you know, I don't know if it was oh. council or the president <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And they and give the president, him some like candy. Or something. What did they give? No, him? the president is ready to offer him a settlement. Yeah. But he starts with. Okay, so what we're going to offer you is um, free lattes for life at whatever. And and then he's as he's about to say and a quarter of a million dollars or whatever. Kramer just goes, I'll take it, stands up, I'll take it, reaches across the table to, to shake. <laughs> so oh I can certainly see how. Yeah, I mean, they, they could be if uh, if Ben's scenario is the real one. Uh, they could definitely be doing that, uh, you know, because, yeah, they're going to talk to you first. Look, the, this says their holistic award may include childcare funding, mentors, research yeah. assistant positions. Oh, you need help. Uh, you want a job here? We'll give you a job. That, yeah. That, gosh, they're going to have to well, pay for that job anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, I also I got to say that I I just recently heard back from one of our um, rock star recent students Um she was with us over the summer and just killed it and applied early, took all of our advice, applied early after talking to wash you. She ended up getting full tuition scholarship 
worth $198,000 with a guarantee that it will cover any increase in tuition plus $12,000 just looks like a stipend plus $5,000 in 1L summer funding plus $1,500 in 2L supplemental funding plus up to $1,500 in semester plus $1,500 of interview, conference, job fair, and legal organization costs. Holy fuck. They are like taking money from whoever's paying something close to full <laughs> and shuttling it over. I mean, we talk about discounts all the time, but when they're giving you stipends, they have to give you actual cash, which they have to get from somewhere. Yeah. They pretend that scholarships are cash. They're not. They're discounts. But when they give you stipends, they have to come up with that money somewhere. Yeah. If they're like, oh, you can go to this conference and we'll pay for your transportation and hotel. I mean, yeah, then they're that's money coming out of their pocket. So they either got to get donors to pay for that. I mean, that's what Hastings tries to do. Hastings sent me last Tuesday, you know, Giving Tuesday. Because you got your Black giving Friday. Tuesday. Then you got your oh Cyber Monday. Then you got your Giving Tuesday. It's just it's a thing that organizations try to get money on uh, giving Tuesday, but they emailed Hastings emailed me like six times. Yeah. Yeah. On the same day that everybody else is asking for money as well, which is like, <laughs> well, it's also kind of dumb. Like whoever thought of that, like you should do that before black Friday, not after everybody just spent all <laughs> right. their money. True, good point. Everybody already spent all their <laughs> whatever. That's a good point. You should make a note for whoever designed giving Tuesday and say, really, do you guys think about that? You didn't want to make it Thursday right before black Friday. No. Okay. Yeah, on, on Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The day, on the day of thanks. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Where are we? We're, we're having too much fun. <laughs> Larry, Larry. Yeah. Thanks for sending that in Brittany as always. Yeah. Thanks Brittany. Uh, you want to read this one from, uh, Larry? Absolutely. Thank you all. Thank you for all your LSAT tips and advice, exclamation point. I'm looking for some advice with the application process. I would love to attend a top law school starting in the fall of 2024 for the least amount of money, period. Okay, great. Cool. Sounds good. I just scored a 174 on the November LSAT and I have a low 3.9 GPA. <laughs> it's funny, man. We get, I mean, that ha it happens all the time. Like if people think 3.9 is low and then somebody else will think that a 3.3 is great. So it just shows you how there's levels and levels and levels to everything. Yeah. I mean, and I guess this could be weighted. If it's weighted, then it might be kind of lower, but still high. <laughs> weighted? Yeah, like if it's a 3.9 on a 4.3 scale or... 4. Oh, I see. Yeah. I mean, even then, that's still like, wow, okay, so you you got more A's than A minuses with a 3.9. I mean, that's look, like, you got, yeah, I mean, you got two A's for every A minus. That's pretty fucking good. Yeah. In my book. Um, okay. Okay, low GPA. Larry says, would it make sense to apply this cycle and try to defer or to wait to apply next fall? What? Defer? Uh, defer. Mm. It sounds like you, yeah, I mean, you already said you plan to go in the fall of 2024. I recently started a new job and would love to stay for another year. I'm concerned that I would not be granted a deferral and that LSAT medians may continue to rise. Oh, wow. Yeah. This again. People are, it's just funny to see all the things that people worry about. 
mm-hmm. uh, that people are afraid of, you know, like so many things that they can't control and are also just entirely speculative. Like, why, why do you think, do you think the LSAT medians are always going to rise? Yeah, I mean, I think they could end up staying the same or dropping this year. I've heard that admissions is slow. So if it's slow, maybe we have a worse problem, right? Not as many people applying and numbers go down. We just don't know. But I mean, one thing we know for sure is that the makers of the test are not going to allow the median to go to 180. The makers of the test are going to make it so that there always is a range of outcomes from all the people who take the test. So if online prep, you know, the LSAT demon has made it vastly easier to improve your score on the test a lot, which it has, well, then they're going to have to make the test harder at some point. <laughs> so I don't know. I think Larry is just like he's that's really, you know, monsters under the bed kind of thinking. And he's worried that he won't get a deferral, which. So, yeah, don't apply. Like what definitely makes no sense to apply now if you don't want to go right now. Yeah, you're applying late. Apply early next cycle. You don't have to worry about the deferral and you can be the first in the door. Yeah, that's an absolute no brainer, Larry. And also, I mean, how many times did you take the LSAT? Do you have any attempts left? 174 is great, but 175 is better. And I mean, I promise you that if you show up with a 170. Well, hey, look. 174 and apply next September is guaranteed better than 174 apply right now. 175 next September is dramatically better than 174 apply right now. So, you know, no downside to taking the test again. You want to stay in your job for another year. Yeah. Slam dunk, like apply September of next year and consider taking the LSAT again. And heck, maybe your job will lead to some other opportunity that will save you from the hell known as law school. (laughs) Maybe you will have an epiphany in between now and then, you know, maybe your job will like take off. I mean, consider what happened to me, right? My business, you know, I was 32. God, yeah, I was 32, I think, when I started teaching LSAT. Hmm. So I didn't find my thing until my mid thirties. I was already in law school at the time when I started my little LSAT prep company and it took off. And by the time I graduated from actual law school, I was sitting there going, well, I have a JD. I could take the bar. I could practice law, but I have this vastly better thing that I could do instead. A thing that I love. It's way more flexible. I don't work nearly those kinds of hours. It's just a way better thing for me to do. So I'll do that. Larry might already have that thing. He might already be at that job. That's going to lead to those kinds of epiphanies about his life. Yeah. Why not just make the most of it at that job for another year? See what happens. Yeah. Good luck. All right. Be LSAT famous. Get on an upcoming show by emailing help at thinkinglsat.com. If you have questions about the LSAT demon, email help at lsatdemon.com. You can also check out our other podcast, LSAT Demon Daily. That was episode 380 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. Bye.